0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Hoopjack podcast series. I am your host Chris from Armistead and unfortunately Jake cannot be here today but have no fear. We have Alec here. Alec how are you doing my man?
1: I'm doing great man. Substituting for the great Jacob Adkins so I know I got big shoes to fill but uh, I try my best. Uh,
0: well, I know that you're going to do a great job man. Always have been, always will be. So we are going to get right into it um but before we get right into it we do have a very special uh interview today i got the opportunity to interview odu men's head coach jeff jones it was a great he's a great guy great coach uh got to hear his life story so in a little bit you'll hear that interview after this commercial break but it was a great talking to and i think it's going to be interesting to see how odu does next season especially with covid happening and you know they're hoping fans will come back but we'll just have to wait and see um but, right we're gonna get into it uh the Olympics so USA takes the gold but it with USA winning 80 it was 87 to 82 it was close do does US does U.S still dominate in basketball or did Patrick Ewing when he said that, the world is catching up is he making a point that the world is catching up
1: well i think you know and yes and no right clearly international basketball has has really gotten good in the last you know 20 years but even like if you want to niche it down last 10 years uh, a flood of international uh, superstars in the nba in the last 10 years specifically but i mean when you look at guys like Dirk Nowitzki in the past 20 years, you know what I mean? Steve Nash, those are international guys. And then, you know, you know some of the biggest superstars in the league, including this year's MVP, uh, Nikola Jokic. This year's finals MVP and, and NBA champion, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, and then you got guys budding superstars like Luka Doncic, uh, Porzingis, etc. I mean, the international talent's never been better. There's no doubt about it. But also, Team USA, did they bring their best talent here? Probably not, right? I mean, you key players that are superstars in the league, not there. Um, so, you know, you could clearly say that everyone is caught up, but Team USA doesn't have their best talent either. So I think a, a mix of those two. Also, we had three guys that had just gotten back from the finals that flew straight to Tokyo. Um, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Devin Booker. So I think it's a combination of all of those three things.
0: I agree with you on the aspect that I think Team USA kind of Left a lot of cards on the table, and they didn't bring everybody out. And I think that kind of sends a message that you know when it when it's time for the Olympics, you know you kind of you get what you get. And it used to be where you would put out the best of the best. I know there's been some years in the Olympics where kind of we're questioning the lineup, like the the Olympics before the redeem team and the olympics before 04. the dream team
1: yeah the 04 olympics when we got bronze
0: and i think you know there is there does come a time where i feel like there will be a redeem team 2.0 if we don't win a gold it it, it probably will happen where there will be a redeem team 2.0 and i think like you said international play is good but really good it is and it's, look it's, at the... it's, uh...
1: Look at France, Chris. I mean, they've got they've got some dudes that are really good um, and even solid in the league. Like you know, Evan Fournier's turned out to be a really good player, and he had an outstanding Olympic tournament. Um, really put on for Team France. But then of course you've got Rudy Gobert, great player, obviously great on the defensive end, great defensive stopper, shot blocker. He he alters the game for when you're driving the paint. Um, and then uh, No, I can't remember how you pronounce his name. Nolitnika. Yeah. he's he's a good player as well so I mean, they've got a few dudes that are, that are top oh and Batum as well so I mean it's not like France is by any means like a walk in the park right and they gave TV USA everything for both halves I think it was tied at halftime and then uh, you know they lost by five so not an easy out um, and then they I can't remember what they did with Slovenia in the semifinals but uh, really some good teams along the way of course we lost to France and Nigeria and qualies
0: yeah. And I think the the kind of play that these international guys have when they're playing for their home country is different compared to what they have in the NBA because, you know, you're dealing with guys who are there. When you have guys who are representing your own country, it's kinda of like that family is built right there. Yeah. Versus the NBA where it's kinda, of, you know, picked and drawn. It's, you know, not fully assembled, but it's and they're they're kind of separated from the team. So I get it. I think There will come a time again when, you know, USA does get stunned and we are not up for the gold medal title. And I also feel like we do need it if we want to be, I also felt like, especially in this Olympics, we weren't even being taken seriously. And we weren't even taking it seriously. And we weren't even being taken seriously. And even though we still felt like we weren't the favorite at the same time,
1: yeah and I think too with Team USA uh I would say that other teams saw this as if there was a year that they were going to beat us this was going to be a good year to do it especially with our turmoil and the, the exhibition games uh just you know tired guys for one right some of these guys just got off an NBA finals uh, just a few weeks ago so I think that comes into play and also I think it's just I don't want to say we take it for granted in America but I think it means a little bit more um for other countries to try to beat us you know what I mean it's 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 hard to stay on top when you're on top, you know, because everyone's trying to beat you. You can go a little bit under the radar if you're Team France compared to Team USA. You know, we're the Goliath, and people want to beat us. So I think in that regard, people put a little bit more extra effort in wanting to beat Team USA um, versus the other way around.
0: Right, and we'll have to see what happens. I mean, everyone's heading back to the States now. Uh, New season about to hit underway a couple of weeks, uh, but hopefully uh, with USA still retaining the gold, it's just a matter of time before, you know, the other countries are catching up. They might have, they might have caught up. It's just a matter of when will the other countries, you know, s- skip that hurdle and come over that hump how, and beat us.
1: How do you think this game, I know we talked about it beforehand, but does this game impact Kevin Durant's legacy or your opinion of him in any way? I mean, he had a huge game, twenty-nine points, uh, crucial crucial buckets down the stretch. Uh, I think he was like fifty percent from the field. So I mean, he had he carried us to an extent um, throughout the tournament, but then he, you know he put the nail in the coffin at the end of the game as well.
0: I think it wasn't as defining as we all thought it would be. Like I think we kind of made it more than it was, and. It's just a matter of his legacy has been defined. Everything before the Olympics, he had it. He had a run in OKC, it fell short. A team that definitely should have won a title, but they lost to Miami in the finals, and they blew a lead against Golden State.
1: Those are the, tough teams, though. I mean, I'm not a K-D. they. They they are tough teams.
0: I just it, it was just you know. The they couldn't close. Closing was the problem, and then he he became you know Darth Vader and moved from o- Oklahoma City to Golden State They gotta get the ring, and then everyone kind of gave him grief about that. It's like, well, <clears throat> you know, it is what it is. People aren't as loyal nowadays as when they were. Like you don't have guys like a Dirk. You don't have guys. You know. Like a Kobe, you don't have guys like a Tim Duncan who are loyal to the franchise and stick with the one franchise. A lot of these guys now are kind of heading towards they want to just win a championship. And I mean, I get it. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I understand it. Then Kevin Durant is out of OKC. He heads over to Brooklyn. And then Brooklyn right now is still trying they had a title run this year and Kevin Durant's feet were just too big. And they lost on that technicality.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of injuries
0: too, right? Think injuries, if- injuries didn't help, but I also think if they want to do it, they need to do it next year. Cause I'm predicting it's going to be, if, if, if everyone stays healthy, it's going to be a Nets Lakers final. But like I said, if everyone, and I don't even think the Lakers could make it if, everyone's healthy because those guys are going to be drained they're going to be exhausted in playoff time and i just don't know what's going to happen but i don't think this olympic run kind of impacted his legacy it kind of added to it just with the gold medal but his legacy's kind of just been the way that it's the same thing as lebron's legacy lebron's legacy has its You know, ups and downs. KD's has his ups and downs.
1: But I think one thing that I I at least want to point out is that, and again, I've I've hated KD a lot of times, and I'm never, um, I'm never one to shy away to criticize him. But I will say that if we lost this game, I think KD probably gets grilled to no end more than any other player, which is probably slightly unfair. But he's the best player, and, and you take that on your on your shoulders when you're the guy. But I think we should give him that same respect in this win, because without a big performance from him, or let's say he wasn't able to play, Team USA loses this game for sure. Um, For sure. Only only won by five, and he's 430. So I think we got to give him credit at least on that end, or at least in my opinion, I got to give KD some props for making sure that the gold came back home to, to the United States where it belongs.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um all right so we're gonna take a quick commercial break when we come back we have our one-on-one interview with odu men's head basketball coach jeff jones so stay tuned good evening and welcome to another edition of hoop jack i'm your host christopher armistead and today we have a one-on-one interview with old dominion's head men's basketball coach jeff jones mr jones it's good to have you on the show today
2: I'm excited to be with you.
0: So my first question is, you grew up playing in Owensboro, Kentucky, playing basketball at Apollo High School, correct? Correct. Um, what was the play like playing in Kentucky, you know, that's the bas- one of the basketball states, and your decision to play at the University of
2: Virginia? Well, you know, people around here might not really understand the importance that high school basketball holds in the state of Kentucky. Very similar to that uh, in, uh, in the state of Indiana. Um, I, I understand there's great basketball players uh, and teams, um, but around here it, it, it barely scratches the surface of what it means in, in Kentucky. Uh, a lot of the small rural uh, towns and, and cities in Kentucky, if the high school basketball team is playing a road game. Uh, you know the 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 joke was that's that's when you robbed the houses cuz nobody was in town everybody had gone to the uh to the high school game so uh it it it, it was like a religion uh back then and uh uh i had a, a great coach and great teammates uh culminated my senior year at apollo high school uh we went 35 and 0 into the state tournament um we were Uh, I think it was number seven in in the country back when they didn't really do a whole lot of that. Uh, We ultimately lost uh, in the opening round. Uh, In Kentucky, there is no seeding. So we played the next best team uh, that we had beaten uh, in a very, very close game in a Christmas tournament uh, by the name of Shelby County. And they beat us in a nail-biter in the first round of the state tournament, and we were done. There's no second chance in Kentucky or anything else. Um, and uh, Shelby County went ahead and uh, I think they were upset in, in the uh, championship game. So uh, it, it was a great experience, All obviously ended on, on a little bit of a downer, but uh, you know, thoroughly enjoyed uh, you know, my experience as a high school basketball player. Uh, throughout the year, you know, I had started out being recruited by a lot of schools and then my father got ill and basically, from October until March, was in various hospitals uh, in, in, in Owensboro, in Louisville, Kentucky, in Vanderbilt, and then ultimately uh, up at the Mayo Clinic in Minneapolis. Um, so I postponed any real recruiting uh, going on. But uh, you know, by the end of the year, you know, I was hearing from uh, a lot of schools. My final schools were Vanderbilt, uh, UVA, and, 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 and North Carolina. Um, uh, things happened to Vanderbilt and they were, they kind of took themselves out. Uh, and So it came down to Virginia, North Carolina. Really, really loved them both. But the the, the difference uh, was that the year before, uh, guys by the name of Jeff Lamp, Lee Raker, and Terry Gates, three guys from Kentucky that played high school basketball in Louisville, uh, went to UVA. And, and that Kentucky connection, is what kind of drew me drew me there? Those guys became my best friends and roommates, uh, and and uh, you know we, we had an awful lot of success at, at UVA, a lot of fun times. Right, and then during your time at UVA,
0: uh, what was it like playing under head coach Terry Holland during that time?
2: Um, it was great. Uh, coach Holland was a, was a terrific coach. Uh, you know, uh, treated everybody fairly. Um, you know, I, I always joked because my high school coach Wayne Chapman. Uh, had played in the aba was a great player his son rex chapman obviously was a a great player at kentucky and in the nba he had a different coaching style and uh, coach chapman would have been what i would call a a great cursor or a great cusser uh he smoked and at at, at halftime he'd be smoking a cigarette and cursing and would look like the devil but you know we we loved him you know guys called him daddy wayne and we we figuratively speaking, anyway, would have run through a wall for him. Coach Holland wasn't a very good cusser, which probably is a good thing, I guess. But, uh, you know, I, I I learned to, you know, respond to his his type of, of coaching. Uh, and uh, again, we had a very close relationship. I ended up being on his staff uh, for a number of years. Uh, and, and so, you know, that was a, a great experience. And especially playing with the guys that I did, Lamp, Raker, Gates, those guys. But, Guys like Ricky Stokes and uh, uh, Dan Merrifield, Ralph Sampson. You know, we, we had a bunch of really good guys and some really good chemistry on most of those teams.
0: And during your time at the University of Virginia, you reached the NIT championship in 1980. And I believe you won the NIT championship. Right. Well, what was that feeling like, winning the NIT championship?
2: Well, it was a great feeling. Um, but when we were uh, not picked for the NCAA tournament... And, and decided to go to the NIT. That was a huge bummer. That was Ralph Sampson's first year in college. There were a lot of expectations and we felt short. Uh, we, we, we had some growing pains, I, I guess I would say, uh, that year. Back then the NIT was much smaller than it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we got into the NIT, uh, won games, started come together uh, as, as a team and then won it in Madison Square Garden That became a springboard for us uh, into the next year. And the the next year, uh, I want to say, you might have to fact check me, but I want to say we started, I think maybe we won like our first 24 games, something like that. I did read that,
0: that that 81 campaign was the strongest that you guys had. And then heading into the conference tournament, you guys were doing really well. And then, Got into the NCAA tournament, rolling through, and then it's the Final Four. And in the Final Four, your matchup was against Dean Smith and North Carolina. I think some of the notable names on that one was James Worthy on that North Carolina team. And, again, you guys had Ralph Sampson as well. What was that kind of game meaning, like, being that you guys were conference opponents?
2: We Okay, so we we played. That was the third time we played North Carolina that year. Mm -hmm. In the previous two, they were flat out. We were the two best teams in the country during Mm -hmm. the regular season flat-out great basketball games. Um, you know, everybody remembers James Worthy and, and Sam Perkins um, and, and obviously Dean Smith. The guy, the difference was Al Wood. Uh, we, we beat them in the two regular season games, but Al Wood scored over 30 points in both games. Um, Al outdid himself uh, in, in the, the, the Final Four uh, at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. He scored 39, and that was just too much, and, and – we we you know we, we tried different things. Uh, unfortunately, I got to guard him a lot of that that time, uh, and and I was no factor at all. Uh, we we tried playing a box and one. He just had it going and had a great great. You got to remember that was before the three point shot and that was before the uh, the the shot clock. Uh, so scoring thirty nine then was a lot harder than it, it became years later. Uh, and and then they lost to an Indiana team and I said that. Virginia and North Carolina were the best two teams during the regular season. That Indiana team at that time, with Isaiah Thomas, uh, yeah. Roy uh, Tolbert, uh, uh, gosh, uh, Ted Kitley uh, I think that was his name. Uh, Randy Whitman played in the NBA. And Bobby Knight is the head coach. Those those guys were the best team at, at that moment. They they came together and they they were fantastic. Um, but it was, you know, it was very, very disappointing to, to to lose. I mean, you know, you dream all your life of, you know, getting to a Final Four and, you know, competing for a national championship, and and we were close, but we just, you know, we we, we were beaten by on that night, you know, a, a better basketball team.
0: And then after your college career, you picked up coaching, and then you started your coaching career at the University of Virginia. Um, after, I think it was a, it was nine years at the University of Virginia? Eight years eight, as, as eight an years assistant. Eight years as an assistant, you went on to American University for head coaching? No. So, oh, so.
2: so I graduated from UVA in 82. Uh, I had been drafted by the Indiana Pacers, uh, cut and then picked up by Golden State Warriors. I was with the Warriors all fall uh, into the early part of the season and I uh, hurt my ankle badly, was on the injured reserve for about three weeks. When I came back, you know that was the that, that basically was the, the end of it because in that interim period when I was hurt, they signed a guy by the name of Michael Ray Richardson who was a perennial all star, uh, and and you know there really wasn't a whole lot that, that that I could do, so I was very fortunate that it was it was in the latter part of December that uh, Coach Holland had saved me a spot uh, on the coaching staff, uh, and I went back and I I, I joined the coaching staff. Uh, And, uh, you know, that was Ralph Sampson's uh, senior year. Um, And uh, we had a very good year. But that's when uh, NC State and Jim Valvano went through that magical run. And they, uh, you know, I I don't mind saying they they got lucky because they got lucky a bunch of different times. But sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And and they, you know, parlayed beating us in the ACC tournament uh, and then beating us again uh, in the NCAA tournament. And and parlayed that into their national championship in '83. I was on Coach Holland's staff for for eight years as an assistant coach. Uh, he kind of, I don't want to say suddenly, but unexpectedly retired, announced his retirement. A lot of different stuff. We don't have nearly enough time to talk about what happened that year, uh, because you know, uh, Rick Barnes took the job at one time and then turned it down and. I was the, the guy left standing. And at, t- at the age of 29, I became the head coach. At, and and you know, when, when Coach Holland kind of unexpectedly uh, decided he was gonna retire the, you know, after the, the, the season, um, a lot of different stuff happened. Uh, and, and I was the guy that, uh, 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 I guess, remained standing. And at the age of 29, the youngest head coach ever in the history of the ACC, you know, I had my dream job. I was at my alma mater, and uh, uh, we, we had great success uh, out, of the, uh, out of the gates. Uh, my first recruiting class was number two rated in, in, Kentucky, in, in the country after the Fab Five with, with, with Michigan. Uh, we, we won the NIT uh, uh, one of those years, and then uh, with Bryant Stith, who's on my staff now, uh, Bryant Stith's senior year. Uh, I became the only player to win the the uh, NIT as a player and as a head coach, um, and then ultimately, um, you know, we we won a bunch of games. Uh, kind of culminated making it to the Elite Eight in 1995, and uh, I think it was a final ranking of uh, maybe number 11 in in the country. Um, you know, we we struggled uh, down down at, at the end, and ultimately, in 1998. I was let go at Virginia, um, uh, which you know, which which hurts. Any anybody that tells you that getting fired, uh, you know, uh, doesn't hurt. You know, ha- probably hasn't been fired, and certainly not from their alma mater. But it, you know, it's it's the way the business goes. And my father was a college coach, so I uh, I, I knew all about the the profession and, and all the good parts of it and the bad parts. Uh, but I, I loved you know all of that that time at at, at UVA. Uh, after a year off, I went to University of Rhode Island where I was the uh, associate head coach uh, for a year um, and knew I wanted to get back into college coaching. I wanted to uh, ideally be a head coach again and was very, very fortunate and grateful to get the opportunity at American University in Washington, D.C. Um, uh, they were undergoing they just a really rough time, a, a rebuild. They had had nine straight losing seasons. Uh, things were a mess Um, and uh, that that first year was was challenging because not only did we have to kind of rebuild the basketball program we had to rebuild the the culture and not just for men's basketball but for the athletic department they they they, it was kind of a loser losing mentality there and and we basically showed the way I think we were the 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 lead cow so to speak or the bell cow uh, and showed uh, the athletic department at American University kind of what it takes to win and and we experienced a lot of success in those subsequent 13 years uh, and uh, you know after 13 years I wasn't looking to go anywhere I mean I was happy there my wife and I enjoyed DC she had a great job you know we had lots of friends there we were established but the opportunity and it, it the way it happened again it's it's a long story but the way it happened wasn't it uh, wasn't necessarily the normal I was not one of the uh, initial individuals uh, being uh, being interviewed uh, but uh, you know somehow or another it, it, it shifted and I came in and, and was offered the job from the first phone call to my press conference was one week exactly um, and and there was no you know there were people saying you know it was done secretly it wasn't done secretly it just happened fast. Uh, it was just one of those things. Um, it was an opportunity for me, even though I wasn't looking for a new challenge, that presented just that. And uh, uh, Old Dominion and American University are very, very, very different. Uh, but it was was exciting. ODU obviously had, you know, had, had struggled the the two years previously. I think uh, the school had gone maybe five and twenty-five, something like that, the year before I got here. So it was another rebuild, but unlike american university um o d u had a proud uh tradition and, and and a proud successful uh past and 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 that's what I was looking to to kind of build on and uh and and, and recreate uh so you know the the, the first year uh you know I, I wouldn't say it was a whole lot of fun it certainly wasn't easy, but we went from uh winning um what was it five games or something like that to win in eighteen uh, that 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 first year and then the next year we again we redid the 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 roster we had a bunch of new guys one of those new guys uh, was uh, was Trey Freeman uh, and and he was a, a great player but just as importantly he was a great leader uh, and uh, you know he he led those guys he pulled those guys and and then you know we we did we went to the NIT uh, and and got to uh, uh, got to New York and and you know fell a little bit short, but that was that was a great accomplishment We were the number one seed uh, uh, in the NIT uh, and, and you know going to to New York and falling a little short to Stanford who Who eventually won won the uh, the, the whole shebang? Um, you know that was a great year for us and kind of put us on a on a path of of uh, You know very good success over the next however many years where we were so close, but we couldn't quite, you know get, get over that threshold. We came, you know within uh, a couple seconds uh, against uh, Middle Tennessee. You know we've got the lead official calls the foul with two seconds left. They, they make it we, we try a, a last second play, and again, we were just a little bit off. That was a really, really, really good basketball team. And we couldn't get into NIT. You know, we missed the the NCAA tournament. All we really had um, was to go to that that uh, Vegas sixteen is what they called it. Um, and a lot of people look down on that. If I if you want to just do it by the numbers, right? Uh, and, and you compare the number of college bowl games there are versus the opportunities for college basketball teams to play in the postseason, it's ridiculous mm-hmm. that people would look down on any opportunity for college basketball teams to play when there's so many worthless college college bowls. We played in that Vegas 16, and, and the Vegas 16 was only eight teams, which is ironic. Mm-hmm. Uh, every one of those teams that we played had won 20 games. Uh, every one of those teams in the league but one had a uh, better RPI than us. Now that doesn't mean that they were a better team, but their RPI was better than us. We won, uh, uh, what was it, three games in in three days and and won that thing. And our players felt, rightly so, that that was a a heck of an accomplishment. Fell fell far short from had we made the NIT or had we made the NCAA tournament, but much better than the CIT or the CBI or anything else that was out there. Uh, But it was a way for, especially our seniors, to finish the season on a positive, having had such a really good season. Um, and, 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 again, in, in, in that regard, college basketball uh, gets the raw end of the deal because of the I, – I just think a lot of the, the bowls. There's too many college bowls, and they're worthless, and they're not really uh, – No, I get it. It's yeah. more kind of just
0: it gets the money in there, and it's kind of more – No, shocking. college bowls lose money. They do. Cause it, a, it, cause a, a it's a just, misconception. Because there's no – you look at the bowl games and who's playing, it's just like, is it even – it's not worth watching right. but if you give and basketball only has the NCAA tournament the NIT and I, I think it, it would be good for more you know, tournaments like the Vegas 16 or even some tournaments where you give teams the opportunity to keep playing more and showcase what they have that way it gets that athlete out there it gets those guys out there and it still promotes good basketball
2: I, I mean I agree with you but there's just not the appetite for it quite yeah. honestly you know and in, in, in everything <coughs> like so much in sports it, it boils down to to money and sponsorships and that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So last season was tough for OD basketball, last season and the year before with the pandemic and COVID-19. Um, what's been, how did you and the team manage the safety of everyone during that time as well as, you know, travel wise, how did that work when traveling away or even the NCAA tournament a while? Because you guys played in the first four, it was last year against App State, Oh, no, that was not that. Was, I'm sorry,
2: but you guys made a tournament appearance in the last few years, right? In eighteen nineteen, eighteen we, we, nineteen, we we, we uh, won the regular season and the tournament, and and played. Um, we were thirteen seed. We played Purdue in the first round up in Connecticut, and we lost a, uh, you know, just an ugly game. Um, we we couldn't score. We probably defended Purdue better than anybody did up until. Uh, 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 well, in, until they got knocked out by Virginia. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we, we fell short there. Uh, the next year, this would be two years ago, mm-hmm. um, was a tough year because, quite honestly, we, we, we struggled with injuries and we, we lost so many games. I think we were uh, on the losing end of five games that were decided uh, in the last minute. Um, and we, we, you know, our record reflected that. We, we just weren't quite good enough. Last year playing and and and, you know during the pandemic and everything was was crazy i mean the guys you know the 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 summer leading into the season the guys weren't able to do what you know the training in the summer the way they normally would we finally got them in here and i think they were here starting in august and didn't go home until christmas uh there was no fall break uh you know we we talked about at thanksgiving um, uh, and and even at Christmas, about how going home, you know that that would potentially put guys at risk, and and the players voted, and I'm I'm glad they did because they took the decision out of my hands, because it would have been tough for me to say, yeah, you're you're not going to get home uh, for for Christmas, um, but our our guys did everything we asked of them, um, you know that that meant basically other than basketball you know their classes were were online so they were taking their classes in their apartments they weren't allowed to have visitors or guests or whatever in the in the the, the dorms they would come over here but they didn't have the freedom to come over here anytime like they normally would it was only during set hours uh, you know when we traveled uh, we, we couldn't afford uh, because of budget cuts we couldn't afford to fly uh, on on charter flights uh, which is, is what a lot of a lot of college basketball teams do. Not everybody can afford it. We had done it, uh, I don't know, five, six, seven times a year uh, for the entire time up until last year. Uh, but we were flying commercially, so you had to double mask up. Uh, the airports were just just as I mean, you know, it, it wasn't a good situation. Um, you know, we had a couple early. Uh, uh, COVID setbacks from our opponents, not from our, our own team. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, when we came back from, I believe it was Miami, um, somewhere, I no, I'm sorry, is we played Rice. Uh, and in Houston that weekend, it came on the news the next week, had a huge spike. And somewhere along the line, we picked up. And we don't know that it was necessarily in Houston or on that flight or in that airport. But we picked up for the first time uh, a, a positive on COVID tests. We had been up to that time been uh, uh, being tested every morning. Um, we'd we'd go over to the Jim Jarrett Center and at 8 a.m. and get the swab and just then go on the rest of our day. Uh, after that, the the players even if they uh, didn't test positive because of contact tracing were put in uh, uh, isolation, uh, quarantined, and then the 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 couple kids that did test positive had to be separated and they they were quarantined for even longer um the highlight of of that i think and showed the uh, gosh the, the the spirit of of the, the the team was with malik curry our best player and aj oliver one of our starters uh unable to play um they they were out of quarantine but they hadn't cleared all so the, protocol. the protocol um we beat Marshall, uh, a very good Marshall team, and we had been down 21, and we came back and we beat them. That was that was really, you know, a, a big deal, um, and and people were excited. But even looking back, I'm not sure people understand how hard that was. You had no crowd, but for all in, intents and purposes, playing against again a really good Marshall team, uh, and and beating them, and and it didn't matter that the next night we we lost to them. Uh, you know, we we got one of two. That win was really, really big. Had we not had that win, we don't go into the, uh, the season-ending um, series with Western Kentucky with a, a, an opportunity to get the top seed in, in the conference tournament. Um, you know, but after that Marshall game, when, when Malik came back and A.J. come back, we started playing the best basketball of the season for us. And then you know, we, we, we finish up the regular season uh, in Bowling Green, Um, They allowed more fans than we did. I think they allowed maybe 2,000 or so. So it was loud and they had the music. It was a great basketball atmosphere. And we beat them the first night. Um, It it really was sweet because they had been the preseason picks and the people doing the TV game, all they wanted to do was talk about Western Kentucky. And yet we went nose to nose. It wasn't about luck. It wasn't about, you know, just an off night for them. Uh, We we just beat them. Uh, The next night, uh, it was, uh, it was a good old-fashioned, hard-nosed basketball game. Uh, ultimately, they, they, they beat us uh, right at the end and got to celebrate uh, having the the number one seed on their own court. Uh, but we were playing very very good basketball. Uh, and then you had to turn it around quickly and get ready to go down to Frisco, Texas, for the uh, for the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. Um- so as
0: far as this season goes, we're still seeing the numbers kind of teeter totter as far as the pandemic goes. Has ODU, especially with everything going on with the team, has ODU made a decision as far as fans in the stadium or even like close family and friends being well, able to attend?
2: Well, uh, ODU right now, I mean, obviously basketball <coughs> season is way down it's the road. It's still way down the road, but just as for th- for football, mm-hmm. The, the goal and the hope is that they'll they'll be able to have a full stadium. Uh, they they would, you know, apply that now to men's and women's basketball as well. Just it, it's it's open up business as usual. Mm-hmm. Things change, um, and and I'd certainly, uh, from from both a personal and professional uh, uh, perspective, want to see you know a, a lot of improvement. We we got to get more people with, get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, everybody says it's a personal decision, which it is, but it's a personal decision that affects everyone around you. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not a decision that, that people can make in a vacuum. Right. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to have fans. I mean, that, that, that makes it so much more fun for everybody, and the, the players, you know, enjoy that atmosphere. And we've got such great fans. I mean, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but, uh, you know, over the last however many years, we've, we've led Conference USA. Uh, in uh, uh, in in attendance, um, you know we've 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 just got the, you know we we've, we've got the best uh, best people and the best uh, home home court advantage. We want to be able to use that uh, to our advantage. So
0: I know as a coach, um, you're seeing a lot of talent come across the board. You're seeing your players, and you see the talent. What would be your advice to a high school basketball player wanting to play
2: at ODU or even at the college level? Well, I, I think. One of the things that I think college basketball coaches, recruiters would, would probably tell you is there's such a lack of awareness uh, amongst the prospects, and especially so the, the parents. Um, and, you know, everybody wants to be in the ACC or the Big Ten or whatever. Um, they don't understand that if that's all, you know, if that's the only narrative, they're setting themselves up to fail um kids have to be self-aware and recognize what's what's the best fit maybe it's the ACC you know but maybe it's the A10 maybe it's going down a a level because everyone wants to play Mm -hmm. and when you're making that decision you're thinking well you know it's the other guy I'm going to beat out the other guy well you know what there have been over 800 transfers for the last eight or nine years culminating in this past year because of the transfer portal and the ability to transfer without a sit-out year penalty, Mm -hmm. right? It was almost 1,400 kids that transferred, right? There are some kids that transferred from a good spot that right now, sitting here on uh, August 9th, right, that don't have a scholarship. So, you know, Understand that there's a lot out there. And so if if they're good enough to play at a certain level, find that level. Don't go a level higher because in in the end, you're not going to be happy and you're going to be leaving, you know, at some point. Either leaving on your own or you're going to be asked to leave. Mm -hmm. Find that place where you fit in, where you can contribute, where you can be happy, right, Um, even without basketball, right? But if basketball is going well, if you do a good job – and you're playing and you're having a good career, you know, you're not having these delusions of grandeur about what's, you know, what it's supposed to be. You know, it's 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 a great opportunity. It's a great lifestyle. I, you know, I was a college basketball player and I loved those four years. I would do anything to, you know, get to jump back and, and you know, but, but appreciate what you have and, and have some self-awareness about what is the best fit, you know, because again, there's so many guys that are transferring and leaving over seemingly what at least to me little things right play the game that you love get a free education and enjoy that opportunity
0: mm-hmm. uh, one of the last things that i read about in recently you started you launched a coaches versus cancer fundraiser called miracle minute uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that
2: well, um, in, in all fairness, I, I didn't launch it. My my wife did. Um I was her partner in that. Uh in in two thousand fifteen I was diagnosed with prostate cancer and as part of, of, of all that and the treatment that I got and, and everything else, uh we we first did a, a, a fundraiser to to raise money for the uh, coaches versus cancer um uh so that people that didn't have the money uh, to to pay for certain treatments. Treatments, you know, could could be helped out. Uh, the following year, my, my wife did the miracle minute, and it was one of our home games. Uh, and uh, at, at halftime, and literally with a minute uh, on on the clock at halftime, the cheerleaders and my wife was running around with a big basket up in the sweets and, and whatever, uh, were were looking to raise as much money in that one minute uh, as as they possibly could for. Um, for coaches versus uh, cancer, which is a, an unbelievable organization, um, as as you know that or as I knew that they would, uh, the the old Dominion fans, um, they they were awesome, they were terrific, uh, and, and very very generous in donating, and uh, you know I I forget what the exact amount was, but it was a you know it, it, it was a great for a minute, uh, it was it was remarkable that we were able to raise that that much money. Um, she and I will be doing stuff in in the future uh you know continuing to you know try to raise awareness and try to raise uh ra- raise money for uh you know cancer research and for uh, uh, coaches versus cancer All right um so that 's it I want to thank you coach for
0: giving me the time to come and talk to you um I hope uh the season starts the way you want it to with fans of fans in the stands and everyone cheering for those monarchs um,
2: but thanks again, Coach. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we're back.
0: So currently in the NBA, we don't have it. No one's in the playoffs. No one's, you know, there's been some big moves. Uh, so recently, Luka Doncic signed the back deal, 5 million, a uh, 5-year, 207 million. But we also have the Summer League where... The young rookies showcase their talents and see what they have. What has been some of your um, spotlights on the summer league right now?
1: Well, I think the one that everyone's talking about today, uh, and for good reason, but also just you know a bit of hype, is Leangelo Ball. Uh, Leangelo Ball scored 16 points, and I believe it was like 16 minutes, uh, five for eight from three. So, I mean... <sighs> He's obviously going to hopefully get his shot this season. I know uh, he's, he's been on a couple rosters, but never, like, for the season. Uh, I think it, it'll be interesting to see if he gets his shot finally. Um, you know, what, what? on the Hornets with his brother, uh, LaMelo. Um, I know what, what other ones we talked about were Ball Ball, who had a good game as well. I mean, you're going to see some rookies have good games. Um, I don't know. Who, who, for you, has been the biggest surprise? I know we're early in the summer league still.
0: I think still um... – liangelo ball kind of playing like nobody's business uh, like you said, oh, right. 16, 16 points i mean he wants he wants that spot and i think i think out of all the teams that finally picked him up i mean he had a stint with what detroit he had like was on the practice squad
1: was he on like a 14 day contract or something <sighs> like that uh, he was
0: a very small it was very small
1: i think small. it was a 14 day and then they just didn't pick him up after that
0: yeah i think if he does on the Hornets, it'll probably be the best thing for him because I feel like him and his brother really play well off of each other. And even though they don't have Lonzo on there, I think it'll still work. Now I probably wouldn't expect, you know, the Hornets to try to uh, try to get Lonzo in the near future, but who knows what would happen to that. Even if, you know, LiAngelo still has, you know, is still in the NBA and still playing well. I know LaMelo still be doing well, the rookie of the year. Well yeah, the rookie of the year.
1: I uh, also uh quickly had the uh, I think he had 30 plus point game um and his teammate Toppin I think scored low 20s 22. Um so a couple of New York Knicks to look out for.
0: Yeah, there's going to be some interesting uh rookies coming in here trying to show off for that. Um who are
1: you most right. excited to see play though? Like
0: I'm really I'm really excited for Jalen Green. I think he's going to do wonders for that Rockets team. Well, anyway he going to
1: a big game, I think there are 23 points on 50% shooting.
0: I think he, I mean, he has, you know, even if it's G League experience, even though it's G League, it's still the NBA. You're still playing guys who are at a caliber that's up there. And I think he could still bring that into the NBA. Now, is he on a tough team to do that? Absolutely. It's the Rockets you're in a rebuilding phase.
1: Yeah, but that honestly for a guy like him might not be such a bad thing because you're coming into a spot where you've got little pressure to win, right? But no one expects him to win this year. You're in a spot where you can take a lot of shots, which in turn means you can make a lot of shots. Uh, so I mean, for a young rookie, it's might not be a bad place to get some confidence. And uh,
0: I th- I, th- I think it'll help his confidence and they'll look to him more as the guy who's the leader on the floor taking the shots calling the calling the shots calling the plays and i can see that happening and you're right there isn't a whole lot because a pressure to kind of stand out in the first year because it's the rockets they're probably gonna end up in the bottom of the west
1: pretty close to it
0: now it'll be interesting to see um as far as like as far as the hornets goes and the pistons go because i think one of the guys did get hurt on the pistons i don't know who it was somebody one of the rookies got hurt what and, um,
1: do you what do you think about mobley uh, my cavs guy
0: ooh he, he's a he's a dog
1: man he, he had a nice little, nice little game he went 12 points 5 rebounds 3 blocks he's going to be a defensive player. Uh, asset to the Cavs pretty quickly, and he's, he's going to have to find his offensive game.
0: And with the Cavs picking up Rubio, that'll be a great, you know, one-two combo right there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think the Cavs got some nice young pieces as well. Sexton, uh, obviously, you know, scored a lot of points last year. He's starting to put it together. Uh, so there's definitely a few young guys, and like we said, um, I'm interested to see with LiAngelo if, A, he really gets his shot and gets his contract. And B, if he can actually contribute to a real NBA roster, or is he just going to be a guy on the bench who comes in and shoots a you know a couple, couple stupid threes at the end of a thirty-point? It's tour. kind of like
0: you know the name means more than the play,
1: right? Because I mean the guy can legitimately shoot, and if you if you see those highlights from this game, no, it's a summer league game, and it doesn't mean much. But it's a
0: quick shot. It's a it's qu- up and it's quick. And like, he's coming and off he's, a
1: cut. He's coming off a cut. Yeah. Off a or screen. he's or it's a standing three. Yeah. But it's a quick.
0: It's quick up and he's out. It's yeah. not even like a second.
1: He's got a nice release. He was actually of the three. Even in high school, he was the best actual catch and shoot guy of the three. Granted, though, yeah. he's the only one who wasn't a point guard either. So he should have been the best of the three in that regard. Um, I'd like to see him do well, honestly. I've always kind think, of slightly felt bad for him to be the middle child, and uh, yeah, you know, he was—he's only one that wasn't picked in the top three of the NBA draft.
0: I think also a lot of that happened with you know personal stuff that happened throughout his career.
1: At UCLA, the stuff yeah. that
0: happened at UCLA, I think you know yeah. that kind of took a toll. But I think um, if he ends up on a roster and Lamelo stays healthy, I could see the Hornets being you know a top six team. Really? top six maybe seven but it's it it's gonna be close because the Hornets are still Hornets are just missing pieces to be at least top four they're not top three but I would say you know they're top five top six right now and that's saying a lot because the east is still kind of you know it's Milwaukee and Brooklyn and New York the Knicks are kind of there but it's we'll have to see
1: that's going to be a lot of pressure on LaMelo, too, if people start having expectations of the Hornets, right? Because this past season, there weren't a lot of expectations.
0: I mean, I would if he you got Rookie of the Year. I mean, there's going to be a lot of expectations going into your sophomore year. Yeah. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, I mean, I, I, we'll see. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm excited to see LaMelo Ball's second year uh, coming off his Rookie of the Year campaign. Also excited to see how uh, Lonzo Ball does for his third team, with definitely a lot more expectations now that he got himself a big contract. And
0: a big story coming out about that is there's been an investigation as to you know, yeah, the the sign and trades because it might not have been
1: the correct way to do it. Which I mean, tampering, right? Because yeah, tampering. I think there was two of those: the Lonzo and who I can't remember. It was Lowry. Okay, both of them, I think, were announced like one minute after free agency opened or something like that. So I'm not sure that deals like that happen in under 60 seconds. No, they don't. Um, but the tampering rule is so weird because tampering 100% goes on in the league among all teams to a degree, right? To so a degree. It's hard to really prove who did and who didn't tamper because... I'm sure there's some tampering going on with the Lakers. You know what I mean? I'm sure. I'm sure there is. Not the just,
0: fact that we, we got, you know, Carmelo and Westbrook. And that wasn't... Well, Westbrook, that was,
1: Westbrook was off of a, a trade. So, I mean, that one's possible. Mello, I don't know. And then, you know, Malik Monk, you know. There's a couple other ones. But not just the Lakers. The Nets are in the same boat. <coughs> any, any, free, any of the top free agency destinations, there's always going to be either tampering or some rumors of tampering and it's probably fair to assume that it does go on but it just to me it sucks that you have to um you're gonna punish certain instances and not others because I think it really hurts the smaller markets I think the Bucks were caught with tampering uh in the last year or two I can't remember but I know they were one of the teams caught with it Uh, jokes about it
0: yeah but like I said I agree I think you know If they were to figure out the whole tampering rule, I think it needs to be done right, like straight across the board, not just for different, for small markets versus big markets, because it does hurt the small market teams. Like, even if you think about it, even if Milwaukee had done it, they're a small market team. Now that they won the title, they've now become a little bit bigger market, but not as big as a Los Angeles or a New York
1: no, and you don't see many small market teams win championships in professional sports. It's definitely harder to do. Um, you know, look at the teams that mostly win uh, just in, the, in recent years, the dynasties and things like that. Um, it's usually think, bigger markets. Same for
0: I. I even think the the Mavericks they were the small market out of Texas. Like San Antonio is a bigger market than Dallas.
1: Well, Dallas is a pretty large market, man. Uh, but
0: but that whole that whole team was small market players the only big names you probably had was for kid terry and nowitzki even then it's still kind of like how they made it to the championship is beyond me
1: let's see i'll look the top five biggest markets are new york city number one la Uh, two chicago three philly four Dallas-Fort Worth, five. Dallas-Fort
0: Worth is five? Wow. It's
1: huge, man. You've got like almost three million homes in that area. That makes sense. Uh, But also, I mean, if you're just looking at teams that have won championships in recent years, like uh, San Francisco is the sixth biggest market, so that's the Warriors. That makes sense. Yeah, LA obviously is number two, the Lakers. uh, I don't know where San Antonio is. San Antonio is actually probably a small market in consideration for how many titles they've won.
0: Which I mean that doesn't make sense because they've won a lot of titles. I think they've it's, won
1: six titles they, since we since we've been born.
0: Yeah, they, they won of, 90, uh, they won
1: ninety-nine. David
0: Robinson titles. David Robinson title David Robinson won one or two this time with the Spurs. I feel like he won two, but I could be wrong.
1: I thought he won two as well. But David, I do Duncan, Tony and Ginobili all won five, I believe.
0: Yeah, they won five titles.
1: That's crazy, man. It's a lot of titles. And, and the fact not many titles as Kobe.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, had Kobe gotten that six, you know, it would have been interesting. I still, <laughs> it still pains me to this day. And I, I've said this on the podcast too, too many times. <laughs> oh, how, how did we not get Chris Paul? The league denied it, but yet, yet now we get Westbrook. <laughs> how
1: does that work? I don't know, man. Not to get too off topic. I know we're, we're about done here, but, uh, I really and I'm, I love LeBron. I root for the Lakers, even though I'm a Cavs fan. I don't. I've never been a big Ross fan. I don't like Ross and LeBron on the same team. I
0: don't either. LeBron, the only
1: reason. People that can shoot from three. His most successful teammates in his career could all shoot from three or just shoot efficiently in general. You know what I mean? Dwayne Wade was a solid shooter in general, not necessarily from three. Kyrie Irving was a very efficient three-point shooter. You know what I mean? And even on their, you know, Jr. Smith, great three-point shooter. Um, the Lakers title last year. You know, KCP was stroking well. Um, Danny Green, which didn't shoot well in the finals, but shot well up to that point. I just don't know how many guys they have that can actually shoot the rock. I mean, not not many right now. I think we still have Mellow. Mello. He can Malik shoot. Malik. Malik Monk is not a great offensive player either. So I, I LeBron and AD are going to have to carry the load again. And if
0: AD gets hurt, it's over.
1: Well, I think one reason why Russ helps is because he'll carry a lot of the load in the regular season. Mr. Triple, double regular season hero. I think that takes some of the load off of, um, you know, your other two guys in AD and LeBron. They just got to get to the playoffs healthy. If they get to the playoffs healthy, they got the most experience, um, and probably the second most talent beside the nets. Um, and the same for nets though, they gotta, they gotta make it to the playoffs healthy. Um, And then neither team really was able to do that this year. And then once they both got to the playoffs, they both fell apart. The wheels fell off. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: And we'll just have to wait. Um, So that's going to be it. Um, There's not going to be really a mindful moment. Really, the only thing I have on my mind is uh, make sure you all, everyone has somebody in their corner who's always looking out for them because a lot of times people are just you know going through a lot and you i feel like if you at least are there in somebody's corner you know that they're always gonna you guys can look out for each other and if not then it's just gonna be a tough time tough road to climb no matter what i think even like i still have you guys on on my corner i have jake i have alec i have my friends like you guys are a part of my quarter because I know that you guys, if I'm, something's going on, I, I could rely on you guys to you know help me out, and I know I can be there for y'all if y'all need anything. So I think that's just... We all need to have people in our corner who are always going to look out for us no matter what.
1: Couldn't say better myself, man. That's uh, that's really <laughs> true. You always got to have people to look out for you, and uh, you know, you got to have support, right? So, like I said, couldn't say it better myself.
0: Yeah, so... All right, guys, so I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the latest episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the one-on-one interview with, our, with ODU's men's head basketball coach, Jeff Jones. We will have more interviews in the future. I have two interviews lined up. I am not going to tell you who they are, but we have two... St- Semi-pro and a Norfolk State senior on the rise for these next interviews. So be on the lookout for that. We will have giveaways in the future. Make sure to check out our Instagram. Use, uh, make sure you click on the link. We do have a partnership with Dano Seasoning. Make sure to use the referral code HoopJack for your purchase on Dano's. Uh, it's Dano as you know, the marvelous Atkins would say. I know he would be saying that right now. Um, But make sure to check out our YouTube page, our Facebook page, our Instagram page at underscore hoopjack underscore for all of our content. Um, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen. And remember, don't be a bystander, be a hooper, and keep balling. Peace.